2 Corinthians chapter number 1, if you will. And uh, if you don't see a Bible, if you didn't bring one, there should be one in the pew in front of you by the songbooks. And uh, if you don't have one, raise your hand, we'll get you one. Uh, one of the ushers will come by. Anybody need a Bible here today? Very important that you see this passage of Scripture. And uh, the message I have uh, to preach to you today is not a normal, what I'd call Sunday morning type of sermon. And uh, it's what the Lord laid on my heart, and I know it's what God's will is to preach to you. Uh, we have, uh, every service takes on a different kind of feeling, and Sunday night church is kind of like a family meeting. It's oftentimes where we gather everybody together, the children that are downstairs are up here, and uh, we just preach the Word of God. And uh, that's what they'll do tonight, And uh, but uh, this morning uh, I want to bring a message to you uh, that follows our theme, but not so obviously. And uh, our theme for this year, we put it on the board up here. There's one across the hall, pressing toward the mark. I've been preaching usually on the first Sunday of the month. I had a guest preacher last week preaching on, a, on that theme uh, every first Sunday of the month in some way or another, pressing toward the mark. But I want you to see in verse number eight, Paul is writing here to the church of Corinth, of course, and uh, In verse number 8, we'll read down to verse number 10. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure. Okay, I'm going to preach on that particular phrase, pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Uh, But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. And the sentence continues for one more verse, but we'll stop there. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, please guide as we go into this subject. Please direct the thoughts as we have met here this morning for the purpose of opening your word and having your word uh, really minister to our hearts. And uh, Lord, do what I can't do, and that's touch the hearts of the people that are here. And I pray, God, that you give wisdom and help in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So our theme, pressing toward the mark. And uh, it has stirred our hearts all year long. Uh, That comes out of Philippians chapter 3. He talks about forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. Uh, He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's a great passage of scripture. It's been our theme all year long. I've preached on various aspects uh, and uh, that relate to this concept. Pressing on. Christianity is never meant to be uh, a stationary. You're on a journey. And Christian, press on. Press on. You go forward for the Lord. You take a step in the right direction. And uh, you'll notice that the devil will be there to fight and trials will come, and difficulties will come. And uh, what does the Lord say? He says, dear Christian, press on. Keep on going for the Lord. Take a step in the right direction. Do what God wants you to do. Always right to do right. Go forward for the Lord. But we come to a passage like this, and it's almost astonishing that the great apostle Paul, the man who eventually died for his faith, had his He actually got his head cut off because he was a preacher of the gospel, because he was doing the right thing. This great man of of, of not small measure, but doing great things for God, comes to the place. It's actually almost shocking that he comes to the place 
where he says these words that we despaired even of life. Interesting. It's interesting and it's important for you and I to understand. It's important for you and I to understand that there's more to life as a Christian than uh, as far as the answers from God's word than just to say, hey, Christian, you're going through a hard time. Uh, Just press on. Okay, that was good. You many of you said amen before. Just press on. Now listen to me. There's more than just, hey, motivate yourself by going forward. Go forward because you should go forward. Press on because you should press on. Press on because you don't want to be in the back of the line where you ought to be up here and you're back here where you know God doesn't want you to be. Those are motivations. Press on, yes, press on. Press on if you can with every step in the right direction going forward in your Christian life. But there's more in the motivation than to say press on because you should press on. Today's message is pressing on while pressed down. Pressing on while pressed down. What's astonishing about this passage is that the apostle, who is a much better Christian than all of us, I'm sure, it went through so much for the cause of Christ, he comes to this place where he says, we are pressed beyond measure. Pressed beyond measure. Uh, The context of this passage is important. Corinth was a church in Greece that Paul had was instrumental in its beginning and uh, but it was a church full of huge problems the beginning of the letter is that Paul is giving an explanation to the people at Corinth for why he is accused of being fickle i mean he said hey i'm going to come and visit you but then he never showed up and then he sent Titus with a letter with an instruction in the letter that he said, hey, I've got to pass my way from Asia, where he was probably in Ephesus, across the Aegean Sea, and I've got to pass to your place, but I'm going to Thessalonica, you know, which was north of him in Macedonia. And he says, I'm going to go this way so that I can cross by, stop in Corinth, and then I've got to go home the same way, so I'm going to come and see you twice. Only... No matter how many things we plan, a lot of our plans become subject to troubles, don't they? And Paul had to say, you know what, I'm not going to make it twice to you. He does go there again, but friends, he is accused by this church of being fickle. You can't make up your mind, Paul. Paul is the writer of Scripture. He's the one that's given the inspiration of God. Can we trust Paul? After all, everything Paul says, it doesn't come to pass. I wish that Christians would get their eyes off the people and trust in God. And uh, Paul, can we trust you? Well, this church had lots of problems. If you read the book of 1 Corinthians, this church is fighting through different schisms within the church. I mean, one person says, you know what? I'm a follower of Peter. I don't really believe what Paul says. Other people say, I'm a follower of Paul. After all, he's the one. But then there was this other one, uh, this great orator. You know, people judge preachers. They're affected by how good and entertaining their preaching is. And here comes Apollos, and he's part of that church, and he's a great preacher. And people said, I am following Apollos. And this really was trouble. You know, when trouble comes into a church, it is so uncomfortable. Come into a church and there's conflict in the church. 
Sometimes the pastor's mad at his wife. How could I be mad at you, wonderful lady right there? It's my birthday. I want a good meal, right? Uh, you know, sometimes there's problems with one family in the church and the other family, or there's somebody who's disgruntled because, hey, they chose deacons and I, didn't, I got overlooked. There's all sorts of things that cause the problems. But when those things are fomenting in a church, nothing goes the right direction. The word of God is restrained. The spirit of God is restrained. I preached, if you want to look up, a couple Thursdays ago out of uh, Psalm, I think, 133. So if you go back, we've preached all the way up to Psalm 133. And uh, you can listen to that about the necessity of unity within the body of Christ, meaning within our congregation. God blesses unity, commands his blessings for unity. And when that unity is gone, man, it is nothing but terribleness. And you could go into church, it's almost like sometimes you could take your knife with you and cut, cut the tension right in the whole atmosphere and say, man, I didn't know what was coming. I came in here, I didn't know what was happening, but yet there's a problem because I can feel it. People are angry. They're short with each other. They're, 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 uh, they're, they're jealous. They're, they're all sorts of underlying problems. And you know what? The job of a church is not accomplished. The job of edifying the people, preaching the gospel, telling people how they can know they're going to heaven when they die, all of this is hindered. And Corinth was, expect, it was experiencing that. Praise God, we haven't experienced that here. We are, a, as far as I can tell, there's a unity. If there's schisms here, I'm just not aware of it yet. Sometimes the pastor's the last to know. But we praise God that we have a loving, caring body that the Lord's brought together. Praise God. That, that's something to praise God about. But if you've been in an uncomfortable situation, you know what that's like. It is difficult and uh, demanding on your heart. You want everything to go well. You even come to the place where you, you want people to come to church to hear the gospel of Christ, but sometimes you're afraid. You meet somebody, you say, well, uh, maybe you should go to another church. Our church is having problems. It is a difficult thing. Paul explains through the passages of 1 Corinthians that really Apollos is a nobody. Paul is a nobody. And he said, Peter is a nobody. And he said, after all, who are the people that are serving you? It is God that blesses and brings the increase. You ought not to say, I'm following Paul or Peter or I'm following Apollos, but my eyes are upon Jesus Christ and on Jesus Christ alone. Isn't that simple? Christianity is just that simple. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Are you walking with the Savior? It's not about what does the pastor expect or what does, the, what does everybody do down at the church so I can fit in. Who cares about fitting in? This is not about fitting in. This is a place where your relationship with Jesus Christ ought to be encouraged and built up and, 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 and lifted up and helped. You're here to know Jesus better. But this is going to cause problems. And Paul said, besides that, I'm in a desperate situation. Desperate situation. In verse number uh, 8, it says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Well, come on, Pastor, Pastor, you don't have any problems. I could say the same thing. Come on, Apostle Paul, your problems are... I mean, after all, you're the super Christian. Paul says, you know, I'm going to tell you, I, won't, I don't want you to be ignorant. I'm having lots of problems. Isn't that interesting? He is troubled inside. Say, how much are you troubled, Paul? 
Where did your problems come to in this life that you came to this place? Where is it? He said, I'm so troubled that I was pressed out above measure. This word pressed means to be weighed down. You ever been weighed down by the problems, by decisions that you need to make, by just the difficulty of life? You say, man, I don't know where I got into this, but man, I can't keep up. The demands are on me, but they're too much for me. I'm weighed down with such great trouble. Paul was completely overwhelmed by his circumstances. And that burden was more than he could bear. It's not really certain as we read and try to put a path together of what circumstances in Asia. We know some of the difficulties he faced, but we don't exactly know what he's talking about here. One commentator, listen to what he said. He said, the illusion behind the expression, we were pressed beyond measure above strength. He said, is to, is to the hunted, wearied animal, which sinks in despair, having reached the limits of his strength. So you chase an animal until he runs out of strength and he finally sinks down and says, it's over. You ever been in a position like that? Satan's been on you. The circumstances of life, the pressures you're dealing with, the broken relationships that you've had, because that's part of life. The decisions or just the massive amount of things you have to get done and the pressures of life have weighed down so much that you feel like you sit down and say, that's it, I can't keep up. Right. And you thought you were the only one. And here the great apostle who wrote more New Testament books, not John, Luke actually penned more words, but Paul wrote more numbers of New Testament books than any of the other authors. The great missionary, the man who marched on his own feet thousands of miles, and everywhere he went, he preached, and people got saved, and churches were planted, and the work of God was done. And yet Paul was in this position where he said, I can't keep up anymore. And that's a lot of what Christians face in this world. And if you haven't been to that position, you probably just are young, because it's part of life. There is not only a desperate situation, but there was a death sentence. It says here that in so much that he despaired even of life. He could see no hope of escape. Now, now maybe you've never been to this, but I want to speak to those who have. Have you ever been in a position where you say, I can't keep up and I can't get out? Debbie and I have been in this place. I could only describe it as being in a place of difficulty where it seems like you're too poor to quit and too hurt to keep on going. You ever been that way? We have. They say, I can't quit. Why can't you quit? Because we, we don't even have enough money. I remember being in Belize and saying, it's over. It's not going to work and it's not going to happen. We don't even have enough money to get home. We're too poor to quit and too too hurt inside to keep on going. One step further, we'd say, man, it isn't going to make it. Our, it isn't going the right direction. You don't know the problems that we face, and we feel pressed down. I mean, God, we thought that we were going to be pressing forward. Onward, Christian soldiers, we're marching, we're doing what's right. Everything we're doing for you, God, this is going to be pleasant. It's going to be joyous. The mission field is going to be great. And then it come to the place where, while well, we're thinking it's going to be good, our own hearts, our soul, our minds 
bearing the pressure of the ministry, bearing the difficulties of broken relationships and coming to the place where we say, even at one point, we didn't have enough food to feed our children. And coming to the place where we say, and I, I, I can't keep going. Maybe you're in that kind of position today. I believe that progress is difficult to make when you're in that kind of frame of mind. Reacting to the difficulties of life and despairing of hope like the Apostle Paul, most people have experienced this kind of trouble. I've been in this situation a couple of times. And it seems like at that point that the progress for God is totally out of the question. Right now, I need to concentrate on survival. On survival. You know, you ever feel that way? Preacher, I can't do any more for the Lord. Right now, I'm just trying to survive. Pastor, I, I mean, I can't get anything else. I mean, the expectations, you're, you're just way, that's way out of range. Right now, I'm just trying to make it. Maybe to the next paycheck or make it to the next day or past the sickness. I remember in Belize, I got some kind of flu that was in that pleural membrane. It wasn't pleurisy, but it was a flu. And man, at the time, I had nobody else that could do the preaching. The kids were young. And I remember feeling like at night, I would prop myself on the pillows, take all the medicine I could take and, and try to sleep. And then I'd get into the pulpit, take a deep breath, and I'd preach and I'd press on. And you'd say, Pastor, are you going to get this church built and get it off the ground and keep on going? I mean, you've got to evangelize the nation. You've got to do the work that God's... No, I'm just trying to survive. Man, have you ever felt that way? Maybe you're in the middle of a divorce. The hurt that keeps on hurting, right? Like a gift that keeps on giving. One of the hardest things I've ever been with, I've been with many, I, we've had a great marriage 26 years, a couple weeks ago, but I'm talking about when I've walked with people through this dark hallway called divorce. Oh, it's dark. Pastor, when that happens, I'm pressed down. It hurts. You look down at those kids and you know it's hurting those kids. And your heart is just broken. And pastor, you want me to press forward? You want me to go march towards something? You want me to pick up one foot? I can't even breathe. You ever been hurt so badly that inside it takes, physically it's even hard to breathe? Maybe you've never been there. Paul said, I despaired even of life. I'm going to give you three points. So let me give them to you quickly. First point today is the commonality. The commonality, despaired even of life. I've had some difficult times in my life. Thank God there have been a few when I didn't think we were going to make it. I've had sometimes thought that it was hopeless to try to, con to continue, and God was finished. I've never doubted God, but I've doubted me. And uh, what I like about passages like this one is that it was not uncommon to be troubled in spirit or perplexed about some things. If you've ever been discouraged and you feel like your circumstances are unique in history, guess what? The Apostle Paul was at this very place. So I can't keep on going. You're right. You're right where others have been. It's a common problem. I love this about the passage that even though we feel like I, I don't think anybody else has felt like I feel today. Nobody can feel this bad. 
And here comes a Bible verse that says Paul came to the point where he thought his life was over. I then persecute myself. This is going to depend on your personality. I persecute myself and I say, I should have seen this coming. I should have avoided this. What's wrong with me? I'm the one that should know better to lead my family the right way, to go the right steps. I don't know. Am I in the will of God? All these problems coming my way? I have failed God. Now y'all looking at me like one of two things. I can't read you right now. You're either like, Pastor, you're nuts. Or, Pastor, were you looking inside my journal? I can't tell the way you're looking at me right now. This is partly something I read in the Scriptures that affects me. The Bible says, though, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. You look at the Bible and you say, hey, Bible heroes have fought through these things, but God, I didn't sign up to be a Bible hero. I mean, I, I don't even know if I can keep on moving forward. How can I go forward? Press toward the mark? How do you press toward the mark when you're being pressed down by circumstances? Ah, interesting thing. I think we need to quit measuring yourself because you have difficulties. But look at Christ who promised the deliverance. Why am I this way? I have all these problems. Probably because the world hates you for living for Jesus. Why am I having this problem? Because maybe there's a trial the Lord is allowing in your life to mold you. I love that it's common. I love that. But you know what I don't like about this passage? Is that in the Bible, when you read men that have come to these kind of situations, they didn't give up. And everything inside of them said give up, but they didn't give up. Instead, they didn't, and they didn't find some kind of magic potion, you know, that said, oh, here's a miracle, now everything will be fine. Actually, what you see is that they did the hard thing, they trusted in God, and they went forward even while they were in despair. They faced their problems. I said I like the passage because everybody else, I think, doesn't have the problems I have. I like the passage because it says that even the Apostle Paul despaired of his life. But I don't like the passage because what I'd like to do is run and hide and leave life and then just escape the responsibilities and leave the difficulties behind me and say, hey, let me just be myself, by myself, for myself. And instead, every one of these people trusted in God, looked right at the problem and went forward for God. I find it disheartening that they never gave up. Some problems I faced, my first reaction is the last thing I want to do is to face this problem. It, it, it comes to this word, these words plowed through. People have said, what do you do when you're facing great difficult? Plow through it. Plow through it? What does that mean? You mean, pastor, I'm supposed to just grit my teeth, become strong somehow. Put one foot in front of another. It doesn't matter what losses I face, what physical difficulties, what cancer I fight, or it doesn't matter where I'm going in life. I'm supposed to just keep on plodding through. Actually, a lot more to it than just that. Trust me. You need more than just, hey, you know how to get through life? Get through life. <laughs> it's got to be more than that. And praise God there is. Point number two, the caution. The caution. If you go down to verse number 
Verse number nine, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Now notice what it says, that we should not trust in ourselves. Ninety percent of what the Lord is trying to let us experience in life through trials is that we stop trusting in ourselves. This is the greatest part. They say, what is the Lord trying to do? Why is God allowing me? It's like a couple weeks ago, I told you the story of a man went in the hospital, a pastor went in the hospital, and this lady was in her 90s, and she was uh, having all sorts of physical problems. And, he, and the lady said, Pastor, do you know why I'm going through this? And the pastor said, I know exactly why you're going through this. Well, tell me, Pastor, expecting that they were going to say something like, you know, God has a great thing, or blah, blah, blah. He said, because you're old. You know, we have, we have problems like that that come because of this, but we have we have. We have, most of the time, the difficulties that the Lord allows for the trials of life. It happens because God is trying to get you to stop trusting in yourself. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God. And that's a message from the Old Testament, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. As you know, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Here's the part we like part we don't like and lean not on thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths but i want to run my own life that's the way we do things god says hey quit trusting in yourself you are not going to know all the answers sometimes you are not going to have the strength many times you are not going to be living in a miracle life but you are simply going to look at the bible and take god at his word and find the strength in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you're under those kind of restraints, I think one of the greatest things you should do is to find a new biblical command that you've overlooked and start adding it to your life. Uh, it's like this. I knew, I, knew, I knew a pastor. He just passed away. And he was known for this, that every time the church faced financial difficulties, you know, where there was a crisis, he would take the church checkbook and he kept a stack of missionary letters. And when the church had a crisis, he would then take on a new missionary. <laughs> the opposite of what you think you should do. He'd take that checkbook, write a big check for that missionary, say, we're going to start supporting you for such and such dollars per month. I say, how did that work? 63 years that Don Green pastored that Baptist church in Lansing, Michigan. 63 years. He just died at 93. 63 years. And you know what that church did? Supported more missionaries than I've ever seen on a mission board. I mean, that guy went forward for the Lord and forward and forward and forward and never looked back. And I'm saying in the same way to have enough faith to say, you know what I'm going to do when I'm under the strain and the duress and the difficulties? Instead of going and hiding, I'm going to find a command of God and I'm going to say, I may mess everything else up, but I'm going to follow this command. For instance, I'm going to get my Bible out and read it. You say, but pastor, I'm facing financial ruin. Yep, so what is, what is 10 minutes of reading your Bible extra every day going to take away from that financial ruin? Even with tithing, people say, well, pastor, I'm facing financial ruin. I mean, I'm in debt. How can I tithe? Well, why don't you try God? I mean, what's the difference between being $100 in debt or $110 in debt? Take care of God and watch God deliver you. In other words, instead of falling back, go forward for the Lord even while you're pressed down. Go about your, your Christian life. Look, look, family devotions. Renew the family altar. 
He said, man, we're having all sorts of problems. Good. Get together and pray and read the Bible as a family. I don't have time. Make time. Find time. You're about to go under. Trust God. Find that he doesn't leave you. He isn't going to restrain you. I'm out of time. I know that. But I've got to tell you some things. I really do. The Bible tells us so much. Job went through so much in his life. And he got to Job chapter 23, and he said, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. Talking about God. I go backward, and I cannot perceive him. These are the words from Job 23, verse 8 through 10. On the left hand, where doth he work? But I cannot behold him. He hideth him on the right hand, that I cannot see him. Verse 10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. The caution is, when you go through those problems, reach out to God. I've seen families when they have problems and they reach out away from God and say, after all this and this is what I get, God, I've got problems in my life. Instead, run to him. I promise you what God's purpose is in every trial is that you draw closer to him. Find the Lord. Let me give you the last one. I'm skipping a bunch of my notes. I hope it isn't taking away from the message. But we've talked about, um, together here today, we've talked about our points being the uh, commonality, the caution. And let me get to the conqueror. Verse number nine, at the end, it says, not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. Verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust will yet deliver us. See, we get our strength off of ourselves and we trust that what God said is true regardless of my circumstances. I want you to get this. This is the whole point of the message. That while you're feeling pressed down beyond measure, Pastor, how can I press forward? That while you're going through the trial, it is the progress that you're looking for. The very trial. That what God is trying to do by giving you this sickness or giving you this financial problem or many problems all at once. So you might be like we were, too poor to quit and too hurt to keep going. That trial is the progress, and you're missing it. You're not seeing it. Because when he has tried me, and I shall come forth as gold. I'm not gold right now. But he's tried me. I'll come forth as gold. How do you plow through? You put your faith in God in the middle of being pressed down. God, I can't do this. He knows it. And the God that knows it said, I'll be with you. He said, I... Have all the power. He says, My God shall supply all your need by his riches in Christ Jesus. The strength you need comes from God. You run to God, and he's going to carry you through. You say, I want I feel like running from my problems. Well, you're just like everybody else, I think, because anybody here like to face problems? Okay? As a pastor, there'll be a little scuffle, a little problem in the church. You know what I like to do? Run and hide (laughs) instead of facing the problem. 
But God is the one. Plowing through is not the answer. It is putting your faith in the Lord. The Lord's promises are clear. I mean, his promises are clear. I've said this to you many times. And, I, and I, I'm trying to get my time here to look at our schedule here. But turn over to 2 Timothy quickly. I want to turn here. I've got a new Bible I'm breaking in. I left my old one at the church yesterday. First, 2 Timothy, go to chapter number 2. I was in 1 Timothy, that's why I didn't look right. Chapter 2. And he gets down here in verse 9, chapter 2, verse 9. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It says, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Now get this next verse. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. When you got saved, God made you a promise to care for your soul. You say, Pastor, but I'm the one. I'm the one that failed. I'm the one that strayed. I'm the one that made mistakes and got myself into a problem. I'm the one that has doubts. But God says, even if you doubted, even if your faith fails, he says, I cannot deny myself. What I promised I would do, I must do. Isn't that an interesting passage? Paul said in going back to 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where we read in there, who delivered us from so great a death. He said, in, trust in God, in verse 9, that raiseth the dead. So we look at what God has promised to do. That no matter what happens in this life, I'm going to heaven when I die. Not because of me, but because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ applied to my heart the day that I received him as my Savior. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? And if you know Christ as your Savior, why don't you lift your hand up in here and say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. Raise your hand. You say, I've been to the cross. I know that I'm saved. You see, put your hand down. Then ultimately, your soul is secure in Jesus Christ. And no matter what they do to you, when you look at trials of life, no matter how big the very volume of the difficulty is, no matter if you come to the place where you are too broke to quit and too hurt to keep on going, your soul is eternally secure in Jesus Christ. But what if it is not? What if you are here and you're not saved? I have been with many people in places and hospitals and death. I've watched Christians cry. We cry, yeah, we cry. The Bible says we cry. We mourn, but not as those that have no hope. And I have often said this, how does the unsaved handle the crisis of life? How do they hear cancer? I've experienced that I think a lot of people just resign to it. Well, it's the fate of all people. Oh, well, nothing I could do. Or the despair overwhelms them. But I can tell you a Christian is different. When you know Christ, you might have a sentence of death in your body, but you have a sentence of life in Christ to be raised again. Who delivered us from so great a death. Are you saved? Do you know Christ? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? The only answer for death 
The only answer for eternity is to know Jesus as your Savior. To have all of your sins put upon the cross on Jesus and all of his righteousness applied to your heart. Have you been saved? And if you've not been saved, we want you to get saved today. But that God that you're trusting in to take you to heaven is the key to the trials you're facing right now. He said, who hath delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver. And he says, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. He said, now I look back on my life, Paul said, even though I'm, on, I'm pressed down and I'm in despair, I look back on my life and I remember when I came to Jesus and my burdens were gone. I know that he delivered me then. And I'm looking forward to death and going to heaven when I die or the second coming of the rapture of God to come and get us. I'm looking forward to that and I trust that he will yet deliver me. So we seem to have, because of the time orientation, we have a record that the Lord has delivered us by faith and that we trust that he will deliver us by faith, but it's the present circumstances where we say, I don't know, is he going to deliver me now? And it's exactly true. The same faith that got you saved and that you're trusting to go to heaven is the same look, the attention at Christ, Lord, I need deliverance today. I need today's deliverance. What are you going through? And you come to church and the pastor talks and I turn red in the face and scream and yell and spit about, go forward for God, do more for God. Pastor, I'm just trying to survive. Don't you know the troubles that I'm in? Don't you know the difficulties I'm facing? And I'm saying this, get your eyes on Jesus Christ and trust in his abiding power. And then instead of plowing through, I promise the Lord cannot deny himself. The very trial you're going through is the progress that you're looking for. Trust in God. And then finally, 1 Peter tells us, casting all your care, do you know this? On him, because he can't stand you. <laughs> it says, for he careth for you. Now, see, we may falter in our love for Christ. A lot of times when we're under that great strain, we feel like, man, I don't feel like I want to go pray. I feel, like, I feel like doing nothing. We falter in our love for Christ. And then we really persecute ourselves and say, what's wrong with me? I can't even love God like I should. You know, pastor says I should go forward for God. And all the time I'm looking at myself saying, I don't even love God like I should. Well, no, 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 you're not, you're not different than anybody else. What you need to do is remember, casting your care on him wasn't based on how much you love him. There's an unchangeable issue. We love him because he first loved us. Why did he love you? The Bible doesn't say. He just assumes God so loved the world. He didn't just love, he so loved that he gave his only begotten son. A God that is interested in your eternity is not going to abandon you in your present.
the God who has got a place prepared for you in heaven, according to John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you, is not going to abandon you in the difficulties of life. Now, we may be faulting. We may fail. But God cannot fail because he cannot deny himself. So what are you trusting in? I dare say you're not trusting yourself because you'll fail. But if you'll take your eyes off of Christ, you can press forward even while you're pressed down. Let's bow and pray together as we look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you give us the spiritual courage, the spiritual vision to see past the present difficulties and to go forward for you. Lord, as an example for the Cotterell family facing brain cancer, that they would look past tomorrow's surgery to the deliverance that you promised both in heaven and the future and in the present difficulties that we face, that we are never alone, never abandoned, never unloved. Even if the problems in other circumstances, even if the problems, Lord, are created by our own fault, Lord, you never forsake those that look to you. Help us, Lord, this day to stop trusting in self, to realize that the very trial we're going under is the progress that you're looking for, the bending uh, uh, and molding and the work that you want us to do in our own hearts, the giving up of pride and self, the breaking away of our fleshly trust, And that what you're trying to accomplish is to get our eyes off of this world and off of our own hands and to look squarely upon our Savior who wants to deliver us from everything. God, this is a part of us that is hard to to relinquish. It is hard because it's down in our soul that we want to succeed and we want to claim some of the effort. And God, it's hard for us to let go of our trust in self. And that's why these kinds of uh, trials have to run so deeply in our soul to root out the self-trust. So help us in this invitation, Lord, that you might use it. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we didn't spend a lot of time on salvation, but is there somebody here uh, that would say, Pastor, if I died today, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I've never been saved I don't know where I'm going when I die. Would you lift your hand up that I can pray for you? Pastor, I need to be saved. Is there anybody like that in the audience today? It wasn't my message, but we'd sure give you that opportunity to know Christ as your Savior. Pastor, I need to be saved. Just lift your hand up where I can see it. Put it up, and then uh, I'll see it. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down. We're not going to come to you. We're not going to embarrass you. We simply want to pray for you. Is there anybody like that? Pastor, I need to be saved. Okay, then I... And preaching to a crowd of saved people, saying, hey, Christian, lift up your head. Look up to the hills from whence cometh your strength. Your strength cometh from the Lord. Are you trusting in self? You going and trying to plow through? Let's give our problems to God. Let's stand together, heads bowed and eyes closed.